0: Welcome to Group Talk, four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Leadership Journey with Bill Search.
1: Welcome to the Leadership Journey. This is your host, Bill Search. So glad you decided to join me today. What's your hobby? What do you do for fun? Or maybe just like some special interests. Like, you know, some people are into sports and some people are into reading and other people are into like tasting good coffee or running marathons. I never understood that one as a hobby personally. One of my hobbies is interior design. Like um, the whole art craft of beautiful spaces, I was probably the only 15-year-old boy who requested for Christmas a subscription to Metropolitan Home Magazine. When I was at my grandma's house, I would read her Better Homes and Gardens. Even now, uh, the magazine that I subscribe to is called Dwell, and it's just this magazine full of pictures of beautiful interiors and exteriors of homes. Most of it's minimalism, industrial, Scandinavian design. But one of the things that's really interesting about the world of design and this is probably true for many different things is how ideas run in cycles and so for instance uh recently if you know anything about design there's been this great interest in mid-century modern in minimalism and that was very popular in the mid-century in the 1950s and into the 1960s but if you know design If you if you know the cycle of design, what you know is that what came after minimalism is uh, what we could affectionately call maximalism. I was born in 1971. I was I was born and grew up in the 1970s, and I remember avocado appliances and orange sofas and shag rugs and dark wood paneling everywhere. I think we had some lamps that hung on a chain from a ceiling that was like amber glass. Everything had this saturated sepia kind of tone to it that was very popular in the 70s. And then in the 80s, everything kind of became stark and white again. And uh, interestingly enough, we're heading into it. Just mark my words in uh, uh, the summer, this month of August, Ikea released their new catalog. If you know what IKEA is, it's uh, Swedish for put together furniture. No, that's not really what it stands for. But if you know IKEA, that's really what it is. And the catalog, which for the last several years has been just pretty minimalistic, everything in it was dark woods and saturated tones and rich colors and really cluttered rooms, which I found rather amusing. It's interesting how things run in cycles. And sometimes what's new we forgot actually wasn't always new. In fact, it has its roots in something past. I was on the Small Group Network Facebook page the other day and someone posted a question about where small groups came from and there was some banter. And if you saw that on the Facebook page, I weighed in on it because a lot of times people will kind of reach back into the into something that was recent to them or 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 was ancient to them. So when people ask, hey, where did the small groups movement as we currently know it come from? People will say, well, it came from uh, South Korea, from the mega church there led by Paul Yogi Cho. And, and that's not entirely wrong. Or or people will, will say that uh, it came out of the writings of Carl George, which also is not entirely wrong, but it goes way back. Now we could go back to the Bible and a lot of us love to do that, but I just want to go back a little bit into the 20th century i'm a reader avid reader i hope if you love small groups as much as i love small groups i hope you read everything you can get your hand on hands on with small groups in fact uh nikki lens has a a podcast that's part of this whole small group network podcast series called reading lens where he talks every month about something he's reading and you should subscribe to that podcast you should listen to that podcast But I I collect every book on small groups that's new or old. If it's out there, it's on a shelf of mine somewhere. And a, a year ago, I picked up a book from the late 1940s by Sam Shoemaker. And if you know anything about Sam Shoemaker, he was a big deal in big church circles way back in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. You probably never heard of the guy. I'm betting you haven't. Uh, Sam is the spiritual force behind the modern AA movement. Bill Wilson credits Sam Schumacher and his Oxford Club for giving him many of the ideas for what became Alcoholics Anonymous. And in his book, Revive Thy Church, Beginning With Me, Sam Schumacher, in the late 1940s, he says it's really important if you want to have a successful ministry to have what he called the working cell And let me just read some of the tips that he suggested. These are in his book that is from, what, 70 years ago. He says, uh, nothing happens when we merely think about starting a small group, so pray for God's direction and try something. You ever heard that one before? Hey, if you're thinking about starting a small group, pray about it and then just do it. And then he says, hey, keep the small group small. If you must enlarge, then form a heartbeat out of those three or four who are most spiritually in earnest and meet with them for prayer and planning. Sound familiar? He talks about the importance of friendliness in the group. He even, get this, this is, this is again over 70 years old. I love this. He says, keep the room, whether in home, church, or office, coolly ventilated and eliminate glaring lights and unnecessary noise. Avoid using a table. You got to love it. Welcome silences. Don't be afraid of silence. He talks about drawing out the people who are quiet, which involves kind of helping tamp down the people who aren't all that quiet. And uh, keep the meeting short, he says, and stop on time. And then when something is said, you better follow it up. And a couple of paragraphs after he has his lists of important things you need to incorporate into your small group, he says, and oh, while um, he was speaking of the, the great evangelistic crusades that were part of the 19th and 20th centuries and, and how it was important to have these big, big gatherings of people to make decisions to follow Christ, he says, well, well the cell group, the cell is perhaps the characteristic instrument which God's Holy Spirit is using today. If only Sam lived long enough to see what became of some of the foundation work he laid. It's really remarkable. That's from a book in the 1940s. Here's a book from the 1960s. This was uh, written by a professor, a female professor, Martha Leopold, who was a professor at the uh, North American Baptist Seminary up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And this is a book from the late 60s called 40 Ways to Teach in Groups. Now, I'm not going to read much from the group, but this is the one I love. She says, the teaching learning process is a cooperative effort in which not only the leader, but also the group members must be involved as active participants. This is the late 1960s. That professor said, if someone's going to really learn, the way that they're going to learn best is if there's an interaction between the person who's running point and the people that are within it. And, uh... Just recently, I acquired off of eBay some of these books are so old they're not in print anymore. And this is one of my newest favorite books out of print, though you can find a PDF of it online. It's "The Good Shepherd: Meditations on Christian Ministry in Today's World" by Leslie Newbegin. If any of you listening know anything about world missions, Leslie Newbegin is probably somebody you've heard of and you've probably read Leslie's work before. But Leslie, in, uh, in in his book, he says uh, he talks about uh, the importance of different aspects of ministry. But in the two different chapters, he talks about the importance of small groups. He says um, he says what is needed is that we should encourage and train lay members of the congregation to become leaders of smaller units, leaders in Bible study, and leaders in thinking together about common Christian witness and service in their immediate neighborhoods. He says uh, just prior to it, I don't believe that we can develop a, a really satisfactory system of pastoral care unless we develop smaller groups within our large congregation. It is the only way that we can create a situation where every member feels that he is personally related to the others now he uses male pronoun because he is writing this in 1977 but it's actually a compilation of lectures he gave starting in the late 1960s and he is not writing to people in north america this book was a series of meditations that he delivered when he was bishop in madras india so here's a british guy serving in india reflecting on the best way to do ministry cross-culturally and he's in a cross-cultural context he is not indian he's british trying to do ministry in that context and he's able to say you know what we need small groups because small groups are going to be used of god to transform people and uh And then, and then it gets even better in his chapter presenting every man mature in Christ. And again, ladies, please don't be offended by the masculine language. He he was writing in a particular point in time, and I'm sure if Newbegin was writing today, he would would incorporate men and women. But there's um, three key ideas he has about the importance of small groups. He says, look, um, as ministers we 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 have to be enablers of ministry not performers of ministry. And how are we going to be enablers? How do we help enable people to do ministry? Well, this is what he says, he says this work has to be done in small groups. That's a direct quote from Leslie Newbigin in his book The Good Shepherd, written in 1977. This work has to be done in small groups. Christians can meet together in small groups, he says. And these groups, this is the second point he makes. These groups do not have to be run by the pastor. Any attempt to keep this kind of control of of things within the control of the pastor is fatal. He uses the word fatal. And the third key attribute he says is the center of such small group life should be Bible study, the Bible. That's what he says. And then he, um, he has a couple of key observations. He says the group should be welcome to all, not confined to just a small little cloister or club. Think about maybe starting a small group in your neighborhood or amongst Christians who live near each other or in maybe a specialized skill set. Are you in some sort of a professional guild? Then form a group within that professional club of sorts. And uh, and even some groups may be formed around a concern for action, some way of uh, some sector of public life. And then uh, a book I picked up a few years ago, uh, this is uh, actually by David Johnson and Frank Johnson. They're both brothers, both uh, I think now retired from University of Minnesota, and they are professors in their school of education, and they've written extensively on small groups outside of the church setting. And this is their book, Joining Together, Group Ther- uh, Theory and Group Skills. They quote the old Tuckman uh, kind of rhythm of group life, which I'll bet you've heard before they quote Tuckman saying, you know, a group goes through five stages: forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjourning or adjourning as I would say it, but if you want it to rhyme, you better say adjourning. Forming, storming, norming, performing, adjourning. And it odds are if you've been doing small groups for any length of time, you've heard that before and maybe like the pastor you learned small groups from told you they made that up. They didn't. It was a It was a person named Bruce Tuckman back in 1965. This is uh, quoted in their book on group dynamics. Why am I bringing this up? Why am I quoting from all these books? For the small group movement to mature, to be where it needs to be, we have to have a rooting firmly in our own history. It's important. It's important for us to be readers. In fact, uh, the podcast that hopefully you'll listen to in September is an interview in uh, it's uh, Carolyn Takeda's interview with uh, Courtney Davis and Jason Sniff from uh, leading small groups that thrive the newest book they worked up with Ryan Hartwig. I'll be interviewing Ryan a little bit later at a different podcast and it's in her podcast uh, here to there. You cannot miss that one where she interviews them about their new book. I hope if, if I've inspired you to do nothing else, I hope that I've inspired you to dig in, to read, to explore our own rooting, our own foundation. There's something very exciting about being heirs to a sacred trust, something that uh, isn't ultimately our crafting and our creation, but it's, it's part of the linkage of a chain, and we play an important part in that. You play an important part in that. And knowing our own heritage of group life, I think it'll do a couple things for us. It'll, it'll give us a sense of humility. I feel that in, in the area of interior design. I have my opinions about what makes a beautiful room, but I'm able to identify a beautiful room that's well-situated and put together, even if it's done in a way that I, that I wouldn't want in my house. For instance, I'm able to look at a charming Victorian mansion that in my estimation would be overdecorated. but if done well, I can say, that's a beautiful room. I wouldn't want it in my house, but it is a beautiful room. And so it is with uh, small groups, is there's different ways of doing this small group stuff. You've probably seen it on the uh, Small Group Network Facebook uh group and you you've you've probably uh you've probably seen that different people have different opinions and and for some it might cause a little cringing like oh that's the wrong way to do it no no in humility in humility to recognize god is about his work of grouping people together in different kinds of ways so hopefully it'll make us humble people hopefully it'll make us uh, more nimble people. This pandemic has caused a lot of us to stress out a little or a lot, but we've also had to adapt. There's a whole bunch of us, me included, that six months ago thought online small groups were maybe the dumbest thing ever. You know what I think of them now? I think they're fantastic. Because it's the only way my small group can really thrive right now. And so adaptability is made possible by the work of other people i mean sure sometimes the holy spirit of god speaks to you and gives you some new idea but that's why we need each other that's you know that's really why we need these huddles if you're not part of a huddle you should be part of a huddle the huddles are like small groups for point people of small groups in a church so you can be in a small group with other small group people just like you but we don't come into this knowing everything we have, to, we have to be able to be humble enough to learn and be willing to adapt. And the way we're going to adapt is learning from other people. Uh, but also there's this, um, there's this other piece to it too that I love. When I, when I read this from Leslie Newbegin from 35 years ago, when I read uh, Martha Leopold from over 50 years ago, when I read Sam Shoemaker from over 70 years ago, I, I just it causes me to trust God even more deeply. it It helps foster within me this greater dependence and this greater confidence that, that the Lord has been up to something here. He didn't come up with it in our churches. He's been doing it in his churches for a really long time. and that that gives me a sense of joy. That, that actually puts a little extra bounce in my step. Because sometimes when you're talking about small groups to people who either think the idea is crazy or they're not really into the idea or, you know, may, maybe, uh, maybe you have some disagreements along the way of establishing the group ministry in your church, there's frustrations. And then you pick up something that was written in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 1948. And you're reminded, this work has never been easy, but it's always been important. And so I, I hope that uh, I hope this podcast has been encouraging to you. I hope that as you uh, think about the rich heritage that we have as uh, champions of small groups in a local church setting, what you're able to do is with this cheerfulness, this joy, with this freshness of your step, recognize we're, we're links on a really important chain, a wonderful chain. And so keep up the good work on your end. And let's, uh, let's huddle together. Let's band together. And as always, um, we'd, we'd love to learn together. So join in on the conversation in the uh, Small Group Network Facebook group. Be part of that dialogue throw your questions and and respond to others and and then friend each other on that group so that you actually forge some alli- alliances some some connections with others who are in the same trenches maybe you'll find that in the process you're you're in a different trench on a different continent but it's the same trench and you can encourage and pray for one another well this is bill search And you've been listening to The Leadership Journey. Thanks for joining me on this journey today.
0: Hey, Small Group Network family. Jason Banzoff here, Group Talk producer and Small Group Network creative arts director. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Leadership Journey. Now, before we go, let's talk about huddles. Huddles are small groups for small group point people, and it's also a great way for you to find other small group point people around your area. You can meet together at your church, you can meet for coffee, you can meet for lunch, whatever it is, it's a great way for you to connect. Make sure you visit smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash huddles to find one in your area. I promise you, you won't regret it. And thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically.